0: Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today will be part two of our discussion of esotericism and masonry with very worshipful brother Zane McCune and worshipful brother Ken Lane. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren
1: all. Welcome to The Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com.
0: Today on the Working Tools podcast, we're going to keep talking about esotericism. Uh, this is part four, I think, of our series on esotericism. Um, as I said earlier, we have Very Worship Brother Zane McCune and Worship Brother Ken Lane, who are masons here in Washington, along with myself, and Very Worship Brother David Colbeth. And we also have our third usual host, Worship Brother Stephen Chung from uh, British Columbia. And unfortunately, Trevor still couldn't be with us this evening. He's not feeling too well. So he is just the three hosts and the two guests, and we'll have to make two. So, uh, David, you had some—you had a question that you were about to pose when the green room before we started, and now I'm going to make you do it in public. So go.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully, this this will fall in line with what we were going to ask next, the next few questions. But my, when you think, when I think of learning about masonry esotericism, and there, there's the the field is so expansive, the onion is so big, to use Zane's analogy. Uh, it, when in reality, we could look to our own, as a simple point, you can look to our own degrees and our own lectures and our own, just in what we call the standard work, just in that document, you could peel back so many layers of the onion. And so I guess just talking about this in this kind of public forum, does it negate the power of the esoteric concepts? So we were in the in the blue room, we were talking about, how you know if, if Zane told me that his secrets of the financial world, uh, his his codes, then I then it wouldn't be a secret anymore. And so as we talk about these things and reveal them, if you will, which we're not going to go into any detail because we're we're bound as Masons not to do that. But if we talk about some of these ideas or open concepts, are we lessening the value of those secrets, if you will, or those? And and it, is it more? Va- maybe it's a following question, but is it more valuable for a person to go and learn it himself? Or we were talking about in the previous segment and Ken was saying that as we bump against each other, when we interact with each other, we learn more from each other, which I agree with. Yes, I love to learn, but I also love to learn from. Ken, Zane, whoever wants to.
2: Ken, do you want, you want to take a stab at that first? I'm happy to turn sure. in after you.
3: So I'll, I'll start um, for, for several years, I worked for Bank of America and as an employee, they still have a, a board of directors that met and I go, but as an employee, I didn't know what they talked about. So is that a you know a cabal, a secret society? And the answer is no. Because they have a private meeting where they privately discuss things, hash out what interest rates are. The thing is the public sees everything that they do. And Freemasonry in a lot of ways is the same. We get together and we're talking about very specific information. Can someone from the outside get as much information? Sure, you could get an outsider's kind of point of view and stop and read and see all these things, if you were in the inner circle sharing, talking about this, really spending some time contemplating on what some of those things are, would you get a lot more out of it? Certainly. I
2: would say that if we were to, right, to your point, Dave, like, uh, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't dive deep into our, our ciphers and we wouldn't necessarily reveal uh, you know, our obligations and things that we've, 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 we've said that we, we, we wouldn't, um, as masons, but I would say like, if we were going to talk about, um, sacred geometry, for example, that's a topic that at first blush, you might say, well, that's an interesting topic. What does that really have to do with Freemasonry? Okay. Um, well, first of all, it's, it's a topic in and of itself, but you might find in that conversation, some parallels to our allegory of the winding stairs, for example, um, and then, you know, in our lodge that that's a presentation. So that was a whole, that was a whole topic. So that's not a, a, a tangent off of something that's not part of our original three degrees. As a matter of fact, I think there's so much to unpack in just our three degrees. That's probably what we should be spending time doing at a lodge meeting. It's not really planning the dinner. It's not really planning a, um, For particular know, purposes.
1: A, Sorry.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really kind of unpacking the, the, the three degrees, but oftentimes that's only done at a degree, which is, a, which is a, a demonstration of the degree, not necessarily talking about the degree. So, you know, we might get into a sacred geometry conversation uh, and presentation at our lodge. Um, the point within a circle is also a universal symbol. Um, Freemasonry by no means has a corner of the market on the point within a circle symbol. It has certain meanings to Freemasons, um, but it has certain meanings to other cultures, to other mystery schools. um, And you might find as you explore what those uh, other organizations use that point within a circle for, you as a Freemason might find that there's a lot of similarity there. Now, does that mean we're exactly like those other organizations? No, it doesn't necessarily mean it, but it's awfully interesting, uh, especially when we talk about Freemasonry having existed since time immemorial. So immemorial. So to do, is there a connection? You know, I would never say yes or no. I would leave that to the person who's receiving the information to decide what that connection is. But maybe even more than the connection, it just helps them put our meaning into context and 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 how much of a truth it really represents to the to the human nature
0: well zane speaking about the point within the circle uh I, you were on this very podcast speaking about the point within the circle last season i i don't oh, know how about that i didn't off really... the top of my head but, <laughs> but all the listeners should go back and listen to that one i enjoyed that one
2: yeah that's it's a it's a fun topic uh so those are the things that um Um, you know, those are the kind of topics that we, that we'll talk about and present and then have conversations about in our lodge meeting. So that's pretty typical.
1: So I I think Troy was talking about it too, that, and maybe Ken can help to explain that. And you already alluded to it, that there's Freemasonry doesn't necessarily hold the exclusive rights on any of these ideas. Right. And so do you feel like the men came to Freemasonry with, so we talked about how you guys came to Freemasonry, how you were, were you already esoteric or not? But some of these mystic schools and some of these men that came in, Mackie and whatnot, McCoy and all, were they, do you believe esoteric previously to coming into Masonry or did they develop that? And then these other mystery schools, they pulled from those things or how, how did that come together? Do you think Ken?
3: Well, I think through curiosity, um, you begin to find stepping stones. As you discover something, a, a truth that excites you and you start saying it in, within Freemasonry, we take good men and we make them better. Well, how do we do that? We learn, we learn about things that are are new to us because they're not something that we learned either in, in our normal uh, schooling, from our parents, from anywhere else. And they have great value to us. Now, what's valuable to me or you, everyone has an individual path when you find value on that, who wouldn't turn away from that? And the more value that they find, that's uh, what we were discussing yesterday. It's really your time, your energy, and your money. And if, if I'm finding that my time is being well spent, I'm willing to spend more of my energy toward that. And if um, I am on a goal of being a better person, I want to better understand things. If I keep finding truisms or finding where those dead ends are, I'll invest a whole lot more time uh, with that. And I think that, um, you know, Mackey Pike, anyone else in the past that's spent any time here has been excited because they found the truisms that were here also.
2: I, I would add to that, uh, you, if you take, you know, one of the topics that's not often discussed in Lodge is like the origins of Freemasonry. And it, it could be a controversial topic. There's no doubt about that. And, right. and, and. And anytime there's a topic that's controversial, there's going to be people who are like, that is absolutely not the way that that happened, or that is absolutely the way that that's It can be very divisive. Um, that being said, uh, it's worth exploring. And, um, you know, anybody who thinks that Freemasonry didn't start until 1717 um, really is sort of ignoring bona fide historical documentation that speaks to Freemasonry having existed uh, before 1717. That was simply the formation of the Grand Lodge uh, in England. So clearly that was lodges coming together to form that, which means they existed before. And so, well, how much further before? Um, Well, the oldest Masonic Lodge minutes go back to 1599. Um, uh, You can look up the Lansdowne Manuscript uh, from 1560 and um, you know, it talks about, uh, that and the, and the, uh, cook manuscript, um, talk about the seven liberal arts and sciences. Um, by the time you get to, uh, in a Masonic context, as if that's, you know, um, well, I'll just say that Freemasons would, would read that and go, oh, interesting that, that looks awfully familiar. <laughs> um, and this goes back into like, you know, the mid 1500s. Um, and by the time you, you fast forward up to the 1700s, and I think most Masons are even. At least familiar with like Anderson's Constitution. They may not have read it, um, which is again another topic that should be read in lodge and talked about. You know what is this document? It's pretty important to the formation of this organization. Maybe maybe we ought to explore it. Um, but by the time you 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 read about uh, Anderson's Constitution, you realize as it gets to your point earlier, Dave, that the that the Grand Master who instructed Anderson to record the constitutions was at the time the Grand Master was um, John de Gallier. He was not the first Grand Master of the United Grand Lodge of England, but I think he was the, the, the second or the third. Um, But he studied under Isaac Newton. He was a, he became Grand Master in 1719. He was a practicing alchemist. Um, He brought information into the craft. And while we credit Anderson for the constitutions, you know, dang sure that like the Grand Master was, having his influence on what are those constitutions and what are those um, teachings. And so, again, can you draw a linear line between these and easily connect the dots? Well, that's a little more challenging, but to your question of did these early, uh, 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 you know, masons um, bring things into the craft yeah, I think I think absolutely so. That's my personal opinion, you know.
4: I mean, maybe they spend more time on on the teachings of the, you know, the esoteric meanings behind the working tools and things like that. Well, I th- I tend to think that they they
2: they people who who understand esoteric ideas will they're not keeping the entire idea from you, what they're going to do is they're going to veil it and embed that information into something that you can only extract if you understand what it is to be extracted. Like you you, to to know that there's something to extract and understand the little clues along the way. So they'll put something into like, for example, our uh, degree work. And, and so that degree work absolutely has additional meaning and it's like, you know, packed into that. Um, but you might only know it from a bit of an exoteric viewpoint that right. it's in our degree work or it's in our drama. And you might Illustra- not know what it means
4: illustrated by symbols uh, and uh, yeah. um, veiled in allegory. Yeah. Are you right? willing
3: to take the time and do the work?
4: Right. And, and you know, it's an interesting thing because. I, I I'm the guy who deals with the candidates as they're coming to our lodge, and the ones that are searching the uh, that type of information, um, I really put it to them as to how much are they willing to put into it to get that information, uh, because it's it's there and available, but um, it, it's something that's got to be sought out, not. Um, Is not necessarily going to be taught to you.
2: Well, as another example, so uh, there's a a district eight here in Washington uh, up north. Uh, You know, while we've all been locked down during quarantine here, Zoom has sort of taken over everybody's life, and so they've tried to move their district meetings. Which, for that district, they were trying to focus a little bit more on education. So. um, Uh right. we full Steve reached out and, and said, you know, could you, um, you know, present on this topic? I heard you present on it at your lodge. And I said, sure, no problem. So it was just symbolism in the internet apprentice degree. So things that I've found that not only are part of our degree, but might help explain why they're part of our degree. And it was extremely well-received. The, the brothers that were, you know, it was Masonic only, but, uh, the brothers that were on that line were, 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 there was a lot of aha moments. Like, let's, I'll just say that there was like, I had no idea that that was, you know, maybe a root of why that was in our, our, our degree work. And they were like, do you, do you, do a talk on the fellow craft (laughs) degree? And I said, sure, I could do that. And then I progressed to the master Mason degree. So we kind of went through this, uh, this series of three, uh, three, lectures basically presentations I like to think of them and then dialogue afterwards and a lot of good questions and and got guys thinking and and frankly the the you know uh not to be too off topic but what's so exciting about that is there were guys that are reaching out either you know during the you know the event or after they'd email me and they say it was really interesting to learn about this you've caused me to want to learn more about x and it might have just been a brief comment that I had made, but it really interested them. And he said, I'm going to go study about it. And I'm going to, I'm so excited to present this in lodge and I'll tell you when I'm going to do it. And, and I emailed him back and said, I'd love to be there. Just let me know when you're going to do that. And, uh, and that is really exciting to see. Cause it's like our way of paying it forward. I'm sure Ken's experienced things like that. And I know I have, so, you know, you kind of feel like you're, uh, we say, you know, um, you know, the, the, the cable toe or the uh, the mystic tie. Maybe it's kind of the same as paying it forward, but anyway.
3: We, we, had similar, we had kind of a similar experience with the trussel boards. I mean, other than the, the degrees, when do we ever talk about them? So you have this one experience and we said, why don't we just make that the future talk of that night? Let's stare at it and really go through the symbolism. What else do you see or what didn't you see that you want more of an explanation? And just instead of using our, our teachings. Let's have brothers just express what they see. Then through that process, there seemed to be somebody in the room that would say, well, I see this and I got meaning from my faith, from, you know, some different background. And it was amazing what more we learned about the trust Board teachings than just what was in our degree lectures. And we did that for all three. It was wonderful. Do you guys do that right after the degree concludes
2: while you're still in the lodge room? Or do you, do you meet separately? Like do you adjourn and and is that more of a casual thing or how would how like how do you facilitate that in your lodge?
3: Uh, this one uh, specifically, these were uh, degree are uh, part of our education for the stated meeting. Okay, So we prepared everyone. We told them what it was. We sent out photographs of a trussel board so they could kind of look at it and, and do a little bit of background work. And then we had handouts and we did kind of a walk through and kind of explaining the degree presentation of what you were getting. So some very factual, but not going over the degree and then asking people, what did they get out of it?
0: Very cool. Great idea.
3: Well, so we have
0: all the tools is, that we just got to start using. Right. When you reach the 99th degree, you'll find out the true secrets.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's actually uh, um, some lodges here in our, in BC that are, now asking candidates to do um, papers, do do short uh, uh, papers on their experience and um, you know the things they identified with and so on, and it's really interesting to hear what these guys come up with.
2: Uh, it's a
4: really good point, Stephen. Um, uh, when we when Ken
2: and I did our elephant in the room presentation, which will be online and. In the Grand Lodge Washington. I think I don't know when they'll they'll pop, you know, make it available on Grandview, but soon. Anyway, one of the things that we talked we talked about in our lodge was we'll have um, men who are petitioning our lodge. We'll give them a a a, um, a a charge called the Ways of Virtue, which is not something that we utilize in the Grand Lodge Washington, and um, and it's not esoteric. It's just, it's it's uh, it's like a what we'd call like an opening charge. Um, but it has a lot of, like, really neat, really, I think, important ideas that we'd like to have them reflect on. So we ask them to write a response to that and include that with their petition. And then besides just getting their petition and their money, you know, and, and voting on them, we're getting our, our, you know, and we've already met them for several months. But we're causing them to think about what they're going to step into before they uh, before they actually do. And I think, yep. And that's uh, Colbeth is already flashing that. The reason I'm bringing this up is because it ties directly into what you're saying, Steve. However, I received probably, I don't even know how many emails from brothers that were on the line uh, in the class and and they wanted a copy of this. Um, and maybe maybe they just wanted to know what the heck I was giving out to, to, <laughs> to people. But again, you know, we fight. We figured it's not used in Washington, so it's we're not revealing anything from our from our standard work.
3: <laughs>
2: but for that reason, for that for for that reason, and this is before they even become a mason. We That's have a, excellent.
3: A, we have kind of a similar program, only a, a different way of going about the similar uh, kind of a prospect. We have a book that we ask our, our candidates to read. And it's called Iron John. It's by an author Robert Bly. It's a really a, a mid-90s New York Times bestseller. One, it's a, it's a phenomenal story in itself. It's uh, really deals about men being men. But the book itself is teaching in a very kind of masonic way in that it's an allegorical story. And so, one, it's a good story that they should be reading. But part two is, can they really read an allegorical story and see if they can really pull out what the meaning is going to be? Mm. So we get to mm. test them if they can understand that type of teaching and then kind of coach them if they're having any struggles. We haven't run into anyone that's really had a problem with it, but we would ask them uh, to attend one of our dinners and before our stated meeting, would you talk with us about what you've gone through, what you got out of this? So likewise, it gives them an opportunity to see a a type of teaching that we do and also be comfortable and standing in front of brothers and other people that maybe they're not quite used to yet and getting that level of trust.
0: So, if one is not getting, uh, getting, I don't know what the word is, discovering these layers, uh, and you want to learn more about it, where's a where's a good resource for this, I, other than other than calling up one of you two guys and, and asking about it? Where, where's a where would you point someone to to begin their journey? Well, I'd start. There isn't
3: uh, uh, a whole lot of places for men to go. Uh, if you said the opposite question, where can a woman go today? And I go there. are are hundreds if not thousands of places that will help women with glass ceilings, politics, everywhere. And you say, well, where can men go today? And our opportunities are really narrow. Um, if you say, um, I can go to a religious organization or it's really the Freemasons. We're the ones that are dedicated to taking good men and making them better. So it only becomes a, is there a lodge? What is their focus? Who, do I relate to the men that are there? Um, I think that we are that key. Matt, if we
2: were talking about a, an, uh, a a mason, I would say, you know, you're not getting that out of your lodge or you're interested in learning more about this. I'll put a plug in for Ken, just, uh, if it is just go to the Esotericism and Freemasonry Conference. That's usually in the fall and I'm hoping that we'll do it in person. But uh, I think that's a great way to be exposed to it. But I would say read. You know, we have like a saying in our lodge, leaders or readers (laughs) and, and, and uh, we don't have a formal book club per se, but uh, I know that lodges have tried that, you know, they'll read, um, they'll read Esoterica uh, by Pike and they'll talk about it and they will kind of go chapter, chapter. I think Ken's lodge has done something like that before, or maybe if it wasn't a lodge, it was a study group. Um, I'd make a plug for two books that I think have been very, uh, I've read them and uh, the first one is called The Way of the Craftsman, and it's by um, uh, uh, Kirk McNulty. It's a great book. It's, it's kind of, um, it's not complicated to understand like uh, like a morals and dogma kind of book. But it's not a historical, you know, um, you know laid back, easy reading either. It's, it talks about some, you know, it, 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 it's the search for the spiritual essence of craft Freemasonry. So it delves into some things, but in a very easy to understand read. And then the other book I would I would uh, encourage brothers to read is another book uh, by uh, called Contemplative Masonry. Um, and that's by uh, C.R. Dunning. And that's like mindfulness, meditation, and imagery for the craft. And I think just even just you read a couple of books like that, it is going to start the engine and just you're going to. going to go from there you know it doesn't take much to have people go wow i had no idea there was more and i want to learn more and that's what they're really actually looking for um and i think ken and i saw that in the class that we taught last weekend uh and um and even the feedback that we got which was really interesting to see it, it clearly is what men who are part of lodges really want they want something more they want education they want to have you know discussion um, so you don't have to look very far.
3: I, I agree strongly with what Zane just said, uh, contemplative masonry by Chuck Dunning. If you spend time really looking at the, at anything and, and any time really in your heart, contemplating it, meditating on it, why do we use this? Those things begin to open up to you and you start finding the other brothers that had either similar experience, again, saw things from another point of view that are willing to share with you um it, it just becomes addictive as to how much you can take in depending on how much time you have to spend with it
0: and with that starting point for our our listeners here i think we're gonna have to wrap up uh, although i see david looked like he was about to open his mouth no he's well shooting. i was just gonna
1: say they could google masonic reading list and you come up with 100 answers but and you know, we can sure. certainly try and put some things in the show notes our our Deputy Grandmaster has a blog that he's created and has put together a, a recommended reading list that's really, really good. I think Scottish Wright has a recommended reading list. There's just there's almost every organization you could go to and they probably have a recommended reading list. but uh, w- which is the great thing. you can, can as Zane said, reader, readers are leaders, you can always learn more. And if you just focused around the three degrees to begin with and dug into them and understood what they mean or what they mean to you, then you'll have that foundation and then you can continue to grow and learn and do more. And
2: yeah, I, I have I probably, in my personal library of Masonic books, I probably have you know, more than a hundred Masonic books. And, and some of them I'll read, I mean, um, all of them I read or, or, or read sections of or something like that. But uh, it's funny to find a topic in one. And this is how the rabbit hole works in Zane's mind. It's like you read a section and you're like, oh, that's a really interesting topic. I think I read about something like that in another book. And I got to go to my library and kind of find like, okay, now which book was that? And so I'll start thumbing through. And pretty soon it's like three or four or five books have kind of piled up on my desk that have this little thread sort of running throughout, not necessarily the whole book, but just sections of the book. And pretty soon, you know, you've got this kind of multidimensional, you know, thought process around a topic. And all of a sudden it kind of takes on this, like, this would be a great presentation to give in lodge or to, you know, anyone who's willing to listen to it, <laughs> you know, but that's a lot of times how those things really start. It's not like I, it's not like I, you know, sit around and just go, Oh yeah, that would be interesting. It's usually something that you read and it's usually a little tidbit and then you want to know more. And so you start, you know, you kind of start off on this little, you know, quest to find more and more and more starts coming in and you got to really stay focused. And and I've got a whole list of, of, uh, of just topics that are someday future presentations that are, it's long, it's a long list. I'll I, you know, probably never get to it all, but um, that, that's how it kind of works for me. And I think that's how that, 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 that spark gets going.
0: Well, I like to think that we here on the Working Tools Podcast are always wanting, looking to learn more. And so with that, uh, Zane and Ken, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. My pleasure. And on behalf of Steve and David and myself, thank you all for listening to the Working Tools podcast. Goodbye.